All right, open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would please, to Isaiah chapter number seven. Isaiah chapter number seven. Everyone doing all right this morning? How many of you are hot? How many of you are cold? How many of you are just right? Just right to fall asleep. How many of you are almost sleeping? Huh? It was hot in here in the first service. It was packed and I don't know what happened. It just got hot in here. And I fell asleep while I was preaching. It was so hot in here. And so someone had to wake me up, but I hope that you'll stay awake. I want to, um, I want to, I want to preach this message this morning to you. And my goal this morning is to be an encouragement to you. If you, if you come here, um, you know, for any length of time, you'll find, you'll find there's, there's weeks we just preach hard against sin. I, I tell people, don't just come for one week because you can't, you can't hear all of it in just one week. Sometimes you might come and say, boy, all he ever does is preaches against sin. And uh, we do preach against sin. We want to preach the whole counsel of the Bible. We also preach like a message today that's, I praise encouragement to you. Um, and, but if all we did was preach encouragement and not preach on sin, we'd only been, be preaching a portion of the Bible. We, we do preach each week, though, I will say this, we preach Jesus Christ, that he's the savior of this world. He came to this world for one reason, that was to die on the cross, to pay your sin debt. And so no matter what message you preach, we always chase it back to the cross and uh, we see Christ in it. But today I wanna preach a encouraging message to you, I hope. Isaiah chapter number seven, it tells us this in verse number 14, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I want you to see here, the Bible says this, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. This sign, this means something different. This is a miraculous thing. This is not just some usual as, as normal type situation. There is something miraculous that's going to take place. This special sign and that sign is this, behold, a virgin shall conceive. There's only been once in, in all of human history that this has happened, and that was with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Never before this was a virgin ever conceived, and never will there be a virgin that conceives because the natural, obviously, the natural process of a birth is between a, a man and a woman, and uh, they conceive and have a child. Matter of fact, this past week, this past weekend, the uh, cliques had their babies, the twins, uh, Ezra and Lucas are the two babies that were born. They went to the hospital and they said on normal, they have about 10 babies born a day or so there at the hospital. But that day they had 24 children born. It's an exciting thing, but it's natural. Every day of the year, there's babies that are born. It's special to the ones that are born, the babies are born to, but, but uh, uh, unless you know that child, your life doesn't really change based upon the birth of a child, except this child. There was a great sign. This is different. I want you to turn with me to uh, Isaiah chapter number nine, if you would, just a page over or so. The, the Bible says this in verse number six, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And here in these two verses, Isaiah is prophesying about the birth of Jesus. 
Now we know this in just about a week in a couple days or so, we are gonna celebrate Christmas. And the reason we celebrate Christmas as, as Christians, it's not for gifts and, and trees and all the things that the lights and the glitz and the glamor of Christmas, although those things are a fun part of Christmas. We got in the car yesterday with one of my daughters and we looked at Christmas lights and drove down a street and we loved all the Christmas lights and we went Christmas shopping and, and, and just enjoyed the time together as a family. But we as Christians, we celebrate Christmas because we're celebrating the birth of our Savior. It's the purpose of Christmas. Isaiah is prophesying about the birth of Jesus. He's saying this, a virgin is going to conceive. And and that's not just a a young lady. It's not just a a maiden. It's a virgin. And that is is very important to us because there's a prophecy that a virgin is going to conceive. We find in Isaiah chapter number nine that there's going to be a child is born, a son is given. That child born there is referring to the reference to Bethlehem. There's going to be a baby born, referring to that child that is born of that virgin, a child is born. And the Bible says in that same verse, a son is given. That is reference to Calvary. That son that's given is Jesus Christ. God gave his son. Remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that what he gave his only begotten son. So a child is born, a reference to Bethlehem. A son is given. That's a reference to Calvary. There's something special, miraculous, unique about this event, this child that's going to be born. He's coming to live a sinless life. We find in the word of God that the purpose of Jesus coming, it's a a specific reason. He's going to come to this earth. He's going to live a sinless life. He's going to be born of a virgin. He's He's going to go to Calvary and he's going to pay our sin debt. This is a miraculous event. The Bible tells us that he died on the cross for you. He died on the cross as us, or he took every sin that we've ever committed. He became sin for us. And every sin that's ever been committed by you, by me, every sin that will be committed, Jesus Christ took that sin. He went to Calvary. He shed his blood. And that sin has been forgiven because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This is what Christmas is all about. Jesus died, he bled and he died. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and then he rose again. And this is the first coming. This event that Isaiah is prophesying is the first coming of Jesus. And this has happened. It happened about 2000 years ago in in, uh, Bethlehem, Jesus was born. We looked at last week, we looked at that story that took place. This week, I wanna look at this passage of scripture. We're gonna to go to the New Testament as well. And we're, we're gonna look at some New Testament scripture to go along with what Isaiah was prophesying about. But I want you to think about this thought as we look at this scripture today. Christmas didn't just happen. It was a plan. It's not like the human race was just living its life, going through life and going through the, the, the everyday grind. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, this event took place that has nothing to do with the first 4,000 years of human history. And then from that event, now we've lived our life since that event and our life really has nothing to do. It was just a one-time event that happened in history that really had nothing to do with history at all. It just, it just kind of happened out of nowhere. The reality is this, the, the birth of Christ was a plan. Jesus came and 
Jesus is going to come again. It's a plan. It's a plan by God. There's going to be a second coming. We see that second coming described in Isaiah chapter number nine, verse number six, as we read, we, we read of the first coming, and that is this, the unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. He also prophesies that Jesus Christ not only is gonna come one time, he's going to come again, and that is, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's going to come again and he's going to be the Prince of Peace. He is going to rule and reign here. He's gonna set up his kingdom here upon this earth. He's going to rule and reign, the Bible tells us, for a thousand years as the Prince of Peace. And then there's going to be a great white throne judgment and he's going to take uh, 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 Satan and, and all those that have rejected Christ and they're going to be tossed into the lake of fire. And then there's going to be, and we're gonna see at the end of this uh, uh, message here today, we're gonna see the ending of it all. So I don't want to get ahead of myself yet. But all of these events that have taken place, they're all a part of a plan. It's all a part of God's plan. I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, if you would, please. Genesis chapter number three. I want to ask that you stay with me this morning because I want to develop this thought and bring it to a conclusion here this morning. We find in Genesis chapter number three and verse number 15, man has sinned. God created mankind. The purpose of creating mankind was so that man, you and I would worship him. He created a beautiful garden and, and all, those, all things that existed here upon this earth, we find here in Genesis chapter number one, he created man and he looked and he saw man. He said, it's not good that man would be alone. And he helped, made a help meet for man and he made Eve. And Eve and Adam would walk in the cool of the day and commune with God and fellowship with God. And that was God's plan. But in Genesis chapter number three, it tells us that there was an event that took place in this garden. Satan tempted Eve and Eve took of something that she was told not to and disobeyed God. And Adam then was a part of this sin. And from that day forward, the Bible tells us that sin entered into the world. And then every single human being that's born from that time is born with a sin nature. It's in our blood. We have sin now in us. There's nothing we could do about it. Every single human being is born with sin because of this event. But God said in verse number 15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel. God is speaking in this verse. He is, this is the first promise of a redeemer. He's going to begin to lay out his plan. He's going to then, from this point forward, all of the Old Testament, the 4,000 years of history uh, from this point to the the time of Christ's birth, we're going to find that these weren't just singular events that had nothing to do with each other, but what you find are singular events that are all a part of a plan of what God is doing. Everything in the Bible from that point forward all pointed to the birth of Jesus Christ. If you were to take every chapter, every verse, every book in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you would find that the purpose of that is to point us to the Redeemer, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. God was preparing this to happen. 
You would find, if you took, the, took uh, 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 throughout the Bible, you would find a man by the name of Abraham. God called Abraham from Ur of the Chaldees. And what's the purpose of that? Just to start a, a, the nation of Israel? No, it's through Abraham, through that nation, the Messiah would be born. And Abraham had children and they had children. And that's the, that's the bloodline of the, of the birth of our savior, Jesus Christ. You read about kings like King David in the Old Testament. And you say, what's the point of this specific king. Well, the point of this specific king, it's an event that's pointing us to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so every event, God has a plan. And since that time, since the time of uh, Jesus's birth, we now find that everything is pointing to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so we find the first promise of the Redeemer in Genesis chapter number 15, we find that this Redeemer is promised. All of the Old Testament is connected to the birth of Christ. God was working through this time to send the Messiah. It's important for us to see this. One thing that it would do is it would cause us to, to see the Bible is all working together, even though it's 66 separate books written by different men and throughout different time periods, you would find that it all fits together. It all connects together, pointing us to the Messiah, the birth of Jesus. I want to look at this, this thought here this morning, all these singular events that are taking place. And I wish I had the time this morning, but we don't have the time to go through every single chapter and every single verse and every single book of the Old Testament. But if you took the time, you'd see all of it points us to the Messiah. God was working through this time to send the Messiah. For 4,000 years, God was working to bring apart, uh, uh, to pass his plan. And God is still working today. God was working in the lives of these Bible characters to bring apart his plan. And God is working in your life today to bring his plan together as well. As I said earlier, Christmas or the, the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, it didn't just happen. I need you to understand this thought today to really understand the rest of this message. It's not like life was just going on and out of nowhere, this singular event happened. This was a part of God's great plan, his great plan of redemption, the savior. And God puts together events. He puts together events to get to the story. If you were to look at some of these singular events in the Bible, you would say, we're not quite sure. Why did this singular event happen? It's not, unless, not until you take all of the events and you put them all together, do you see what God is doing overall for, for humankind? I say that this morning because I want us to make a personal application about that as well. Because there are times in our life, there are singular events in our life that God allows and God does. And sometimes, Christian, if we're not careful, we take that singular event and we come up with a conclusion based upon one singular event in our life. But what God is doing in your life is the same thing that he's been doing in human history since the beginning. He is working to form a complete plan and he uses events, singular events in your life to get you to this place. Singular events don't make your life story 
but they're all connected to your life story. If you were to look in your life, you would find there's times in your life that you probably really appreciated certain things. And there's probably times in your life that you wonder why would God be doing this? I think about my own life. And I want you to think about that in your own life here as we look into this passage of scripture and we study this a little bit deeper this morning. I think about my own life. I told you before on several occasions, I, one thing I did not like about growing up, my father pastored churches. He would start churches. And so we would move quite a bit. And we would move from one, not just one, one uh, house to another house, but literally moved from one state to a different state. And when we were young, it was exciting, but the older I got, the less I wanted to move. And I remember my dad, when he moved from Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area over to New Jersey, I remember I was a, a, a probably ninth grade or so, a high school, just beginning high school. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm tired of moving. I don't want to move again. And there were a couple months, a few months there in my life that I on purpose tried to ignore my dad and not talk to him because I was mad at him. Because I didn't like this singular event that was taking place in my life. If I looked at that one specific singular event, I would say that it's not fun, it wasn't good, and I didn't enjoy it. The reality is this, if I looked at one singular event in my life, I would really, if I just looked at that one event, I would really see no purpose for it. But if it wasn't for that one singular event, I would not have been sitting in a service in the, in the, toward the back of a, in a church service. And I wouldn't have seen this beautiful girl by the name of Michelle Moak turn around and, and give me those, those eyes. She denies it, but I know it was true. When she turned around, she was sitting toward the front and I was sitting toward the back. And when she, she turned around, my heart began to beat. I said to myself, and this is the truth, I said to myself, I'm going to marry that girl. Before I do, I need to find out what her name is, but I'm going to marry that girl. I look at certain singular events and I say to myself, they make no sense. I don't understand them. But when I began to put those together in a bigger picture, I see God working. It was in that place growing up, there was a, another pastor. He was, he was a youth pastor in Philadelphia at the time. And, and so we knew his family because of my dad uh, working in the ministry. And he was in the ministry as well as a different, a different church. And so I met him at a very young age. And it was him that asked me after I went to uh, uh, Bible college, after I met Michelle, uh, he asked if I would come and work with him on his staff as a youth pastor at his church. And if I look at one singular event, I say, what would this event have to do with anything in my life? What good could come out of this event? Why would God allow this event? But I start to see that God puts different events together and it starts to form his plan. I remember that phone call that I got from a pastor in Milford, Ohio, in the Cincinnati area. I didn't know this man. He called me and he said, I want you to come on staff. And I said to him, I said, what do you want me to do? He said, I don't know. I said, well, what would, my, what would my job description be? He said, I'm not sure yet. I said, how much are you going to pay me? He said, I don't know. I mean, everything I asked him, he had all the wrong answers. And I remember it took me a couple of weeks. I uh, said to Michelle, why would this guy want me to come work for him if he doesn't know what I'm going to be doing? And God worked through some specific events and, and allowed me to, to come on staff at this church. And in that 
position uh, begin to train and develop and grow and begin to work through all the administrative things at this church. And at that time, that church had about 80 or so employees and in a budget of about six and a half million dollars that, that uh, uh, God allowed me to, to oversee and administrate. And, and at that time, that one singular event, I would say, I wonder what God's doing in my life. What is he planning? Because there's days in that event I didn't like. There was a few years back that God began to work in my life and he began to really nudge me to, to pastor a church. And I took a church in, in uh, uh, Columbus, Georgia, began to pastor that church. And through that, through that pastorate, I, I had a lot of training administratively from a church in Cincinnati. But what I needed to do is I needed to take the time to study and pray and, 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 and put messages together. All the things that on staff, I wasn't necessarily doing that things that you have to do when you're pastoring. I look at the events like that and I wonder why would God do certain things? And I look in my life now and all the things that God did, the churches that he put me at, the places that he placed me at, the, the positions that he put me in, the people he brought me alongside to prepare me for something that I had no idea what he wanted. But I see as I look back in his life, there's many different events that he was doing in my life that I didn't like. But when I wait and I look at the bigger picture of things, things start to make sense. I often, I often wonder why God, would, why God would allow me to bury my father at a young age. I've been able to minister to people and I've been able to, to, to sit alongside of people that have buried a parent or buried a loved one. And I look back and I don't like the event necessarily, but it's one of those things that God uses to soften your heart so you can be more tender to people. I don't always like the singular events that God does in my life, but when you start to see what God is doing with those events, you realize this, that God has a bigger picture. God has a bigger plan. And I wanna encourage you with these thoughts here this morning and under, encourage you with all the events that take place in our life, that God does know what he's doing. All the things, if you were to look back through the Old Testament, the thread that you find all through from Genesis chapter three, all the way to the New Testament, you find that God is working a plan out and that plan is to send a Messiah. You wonder why the children of Israel have to go into bondage in Egypt. You wonder why Abraham has to leave Ur of the Chaldees. You wonder why David has to, has to uh, flee from Saul and, and, and flee for his life and his whole family gets disrupted. You wonder why uh, uh, Jeremiah gets imprisoned. You wonder why these events happen. And you look at those one singular events and you might even say, life isn't fair. Matter of fact, you might look at events in your life and you might say this, life isn't fair when you just see one of the events. But I wanna encourage you today, as we see throughout the Bible, I wanna encourage you today that God is doing something in your life as well, that it's not just about a singular event that's happening, but God is unfolding a plan. And in your life, God has a purpose. And the moment that you receive Christ as your savior, if you have trusted Christ as your savior, God didn't say, okay, from now on, you figure it out. You do your own thing. I'll see you when you get to heaven one day. No, what God did from that point forward is God began to uh, develop a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. 
The gospel message now shapes you, informs you, and, and, and now it gives you something worth living for. It's not that once you're saved, he's forgotten about you. Now that you're saved, he loves you, and he is developing through you a plan that will bring glory and honor to his son, Jesus Christ. That's how much Jesus loves you. That's how much God loves you. And I know each and every one of us, if we listen to the story, all of us would have events in our life that we would say, I just don't understand. I wonder what God's doing. I look at Matthew chapter number one. Would you turn there with me, please? Matthew chapter number one. You with me this morning? Matthew chapter number one. Familiar passage of scripture. It's the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus. It's when Mary the Bible tells us that Mary is a virgin. We find here the book of Isaiah, what we read in Isaiah, Isaiah's prophecy is going to be fulfilled. Remember he said this, that there's a child through a virgin, a child is going to be born. Well, that event has only happened one time. It will never happen again. The book of Matthew tells us in verse number 18 in chapter number one, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Do you know what Matthew chapter one, verse number 18 tells us? Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled. This verse here tells us before they came together, that's a physical relationship. Now we understand this, every child, every one of us is born here because a, a, a physical relationship between our mother and our father. Mary was going to give birth to Jesus and Mary was a virgin. Mary's never known a man. Mary and Joseph not come together. Mary was not, uh, had no one before Joseph. And, and, and so Mary is a virgin. And the Bible says this, that she is going to conceive a child. This child is going to be Jesus Christ. This child was, was found, uh, she was found the child of the Holy Ghost. This is going to be an event that all of, of, of mankind uh, to this point is going to be waiting for. This is going to be the fulfillment of Genesis chapter number three, verse number 15. This is the purpose. This is the reason why God had Abraham leave Ur the Chaldees instead of Abraham. I'm gonna make of you a great and mighty nation. This is the reason why David ran from King Saul and David became king. We find all of these events taking place because prophecy is fulfilled. But I want you to see something here. As we looked last week, we saw this, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And the question that we answered last week was this, who decides good? And we saw last week, it's God. This week, I want us to bring uh, uh, our attention, our thoughts to this thought here this, this morning of the singular events in our life that always don't look good these singular events in our life that sometimes we don't understand. As I read this passive scripture, I read a story of a lady named Mary and a man named Joseph. And at this moment in, in their time, in this moment, the Bible says this with Joseph in verse number 19, then Joseph, her husband being a just man and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privately. I want you to think about this, this singular event in Mary and Joseph's life. At this point in time, it looked like defeat. It looked like all of their plans, everything that they've done up to this point now 
are in vain. Mary, who's kept herself pure. Mary, who has not known another man. Mary, who is living a, a right life. It looks like her life is going to be discouraged and end in defeat. Joseph, who has lived a pure life. Joseph, who is espoused or engaged to Mary, but they've not come together physically. He's got morals and he's, he's living a right life. It looks like all that he's done now is gonna end in defeat. All the things that they've planned are now gonna be ended. Joseph's life that he's living, this life that he's planning, these events that are taking place in his life to build for this marriage, it seems like all of them are gonna be ended in defeat. This singular moment is gonna change Joseph's life. Mary, who's planning for this wedding, Mary now has to discuss these events with her closest friends, her family, her town. In those days, the, the small towns, word would get out pretty quickly for a woman like this. And Mary now has to deal with these things. And if you just take this one singular event, it looks like defeat. I want you to think about this in your own life. As we look through now this story, this Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, I want us to think about singular events in our life that sometimes look like defeat. I want us to think about certain events in our life that if we just took that one event, we truly don't understand. If it's, a, it's an avenue for us to be bitter, it's an avenue for us to be angry, it's an avenue for us to be confused, it's an avenue for us to not understand. In some, some singular events in our life, if we're not careful, are strong enough for us to even give up on God. I think about a lady that we've been praying for, a lady, a member of our church, Suzanne Sears. Suzanne is just finishing her chemo from her last uh, cancer. And uh, this past week, a week and a half, I guess, so, or so ago, she went to the hospital with some, some really bad pains in her abdomen area. And they took her to the hospital and they did some x-rays and did some tests. And they found that she had a blockage. They, didn't, they weren't sure if this was a blockage due to something twisted in her intestines or not. And so they, 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 for a week, had a tube down her throat and taking the gases and everything out of her stomach. And she hadn't eaten in a week and came back after a week and found out that the blockage had gotten worse. They take her up to the University of Michigan in emergency surgery that evening, not long after she got there that, that afternoon, they bring her in, she has a lengthy surgery. And as they opened her up and they found the blockage, they realized the blockage was more cancer. They took out two tumorous cancers and took out a section of her large intestines. They said it was like cement, nothing could pass through. I think about people like this. I was with her and she was telling me this story. She said this, she said, Pastor, I, I'm not discouraged. I'm gonna keep my faith in God. I know he's got a plan. If you just take that one singular event though, you can say, God, what are you doing? God, why are you allowing this? 
I was so encouraged. He said to me, I had a nurse come in and I began to tell the nurse about Jesus. And, and she, she has the medication, the pain medication. So she said, I know I'm not as clear as I normally would be. And I'm saying to myself, I wish I had a, a track that, that I could use to, to, to make sure that I was clear and I could give it to her to read. And, and she said that the nurse left and she thought, boy, I really, I really failed at this. And I, 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 I didn't present the plan of salvation very well. And I probably didn't make very much sense. And she was confused about it all because of some of the medication she has uh, was on. And she said, the last thing I did before I fell asleep, I said, Lord, I wish I had a track. Something that had the gospel on it that I could have, just give it to her and say, listen, I, I'm not a hundred percent right now in my thinking, but if you'll just read through this, 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 these gospel verses, they'll tell you how to be saved. And she said, I went to sleep. Well, what she didn't realize that God did have a plan. And while she was sleeping, he sent Pastor Oscar to the hospital and he didn't want to wake her up. And so he had a track in his pocket and he just put his name on it and put the track down at the table. And she said, I woke up and my nurse was there. Last thing I remember thinking was, Lord, give me a track to give to this nurse so she could hear the plan of salvation. And she says, I look over at my table as I'm looking up at my nurse and there's a track sitting right on the table. She said, I took that and I gave it to the nurse and I asked her if she'd just read it and let her know that Jesus loves her and she can have everlasting life. And I was encouraged because Suzanne's not looking at just one singular event in her life. She's realizing this, that God has a plan. God has a purpose. And the reality is this, it might not be cancer. It could be something else. Maybe there's a discouraging event that you've faced in life or are facing in life and you're wondering because of that one singular event, does God care? Maybe you've got your eyes on that one singular event, not realizing that God is performing something bigger than that one singular event. He adds all kinds of singular events together to come up with his plan. We find Mary and Joseph in this the birth of Jesus, we find it could be defeating. We find it could be discouraging. We find that the news in this one singular event wasn't the greatest news. This is not what they were looking for. This is not what they were planning. But this is the event that God gave them. In the events in your life that you have that you're going through, although you might not understand them, although they might not make sense, although they might not have been what you asked for, you need to understand something. It's all about a plan that God has for your life. I want you to see with me in Luke chapter number two, if you'll just go over a few books in Luke chapter number two, we're gonna find Luke's account of the Christmas story. But instead of looking at the birth, I want you to see what takes place just a few days afterwards. There's a man by the name of Simeon. There's a woman by the name of Anna. These two, Simeon and Anna, they have been waiting all of their life for the Messiah. They've been waiting all their life and praying and anticipating this day. Matter of fact, there's one of them that was told that they're not going to see death until they see the Messiah. And both of these are uh, older in life. Both of these are getting up in age and they're anticipating and one, uh, wondering, when is this event going to happen? We find in Luke chapter number two, verse number 34, there's a man by the name of Simeon. He blessed them. And he said unto Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through the, my own uh, soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. 
There's another woman here by the name of Anna. The Bible says she's a prophetess and she was a, she was a, a, a widow um, uh, uh, at a young age and she now is of great age. The Bible says in verse number 37, and she was a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she was coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all of them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. You see, this, this is what's unfolding. This was God's plan. All since the time of Genesis chapter number three, God was working in human history for this event to take place. It's not like human history was going on one track and over here uh, there was a birth of, of Jesus, the Messiah, and now history just continues on this path. All of history was on the path. All of history was on course. God had a plan. He used all of these events and all throughout the Old Testament to bring us to a place where Jesus, the Messiah, is born, the Redeemer of mankind. Everything that the Old Testament prophets went through was for a purpose. Every Bible character we read about is for a purpose. Everything that God is doing is for a purpose. If you would please in your heart right now, would you just mark that somewhere in your heart that everything that God is doing, it's for a purpose. Matter of fact, let's take it even more personal. Every single thing that God is doing in your life is for a purpose, is for his plan. He has a reason. God doesn't make mistakes. Sometimes he uses singular events that we don't understand. Sometimes he uses singular events that we don't like. But he uses these events for his glory and for his purpose. I remember I, not long ago, just a few weeks back, I got a phone call from a church member, an elderly family, and they, um, they called and they said, Pastor, do you know of a, a place that we can rent? And I said, well, what's wrong with where you're at? They said, well, they wanted to raise our rent a certain amount of money. And uh, it was like 70 or $80 a month. It was, they said, we're on a fixed income. And, and we we can't afford this. We, we don't have enough money at the end of the day, at the end of the month to pay this. We're strapped as, as it is now. And immediately I want to do what anybody else would want to do. I, I want to find them a place. Matter of fact, I want to move things around and let them live with me. I want to take care of their problem. And I said to him this, I said, well, let's pray and let's see what God's going to do. And they said, I don't know. We've called the rental company and the rental company told us that they, there's nothing they can do. It's not their decision. The rent's going to go up. And I said to this older, elderly couple, well, then let's just trust God. And they said, we are, but we have to make a decision. And I didn't know what to do and they didn't know what to do. And we both called around and you know what we found in this area? Things were a lot more than even their pain. But that wasn't the news they wanted to hear because at the end of the day, the money still wasn't there to pay it. And so we prayed and this probably was about three weeks ago because we prayed for about two weeks and I got a phone call this past week from them and they said, you never believe what happened. I said, tell me what happened. They said, we've been praying about this rent. I said, yes. I said, did you find a place? They said, no, we didn't find a place. 
I said, well, then what are you so excited about? Your rent's gonna go up in January and how are you gonna pay it? They said, we got a letter. We, we didn't call back. We didn't do anything. We didn't, we, we've just done nothing but pray. And we got a letter from the, from the company and said this, that, that, uh, uh, that they made a mistake and that they're not going to raise our rent. And matter of fact, for the next three years, they're not going to raise our rent. They're gonna lock our rent in, in place. Now, if you would have just taken that one singular event when they got that letter the first time, life looked bad. When you just take that one singular event, we can get out of control and we might think that God doesn't care. I'll tell you what happened in that letter, but they received that second time, they were praying and they were letting God intervene. You know what God showed them? That he is in control, that he is going to take care of things, that he has a plan for their life and they don't need to be concerned. We just need to trust God. They asked me this. They said, you think that this would be wrong to share with people what it looked like we're bragging? I said, you're bragging on God. I think he'd be okay with that. They were excited that God worked that out in their life. Shows them that everything God is doing is for his purpose. I want you to write this down in your heart as well. Don't allow one part, don't allow one event of your story to stop you from seeing the whole story. Don't allow one event or one part of your story to stop you from seeing the whole story. Because all of us have times, all of us have events, all of us have seasons in our life that it just seems like it doesn't make sense and it's not fair and nothing good is gonna come out of this. But God uses those singular events for his plan and his purpose and what he does through those is he builds a bigger picture, a story where he is seen as great and he is seen and worshiped. You see what I find even as we study this passage of scripture out, as we see what Isaiah is prophesying and we see what happens in Matthew and in Luke, you know what I see? It wasn't just about his birth though. Everything leading up to his birth was about his birth. But when he, when he was born, it's not like, well, it's over now. There's nothing to live for. You know what I find this, that I, uh, 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 Isaiah is also prophesying. It, it, it's not just about his death. Yes, the wonderful thing, the baby is born. She, he is born of a virgin. What a wonderful thing. But it's not over now. It's just one event. There's a cross. He's going to a cross 33 years after he was born. We now also celebrate his death. We celebrate the fact that he came, he died. Our sins were forgiven. What a wonderful thing that is. We don't just celebrate his birth. We also celebrate the fact of Calvary, that he went to the cross, that he died for our sins. Uh, about two weeks ago, I was witnessing to a, a fella. He came and he saw me and he said this. He said, you, uh, you don't know what I've done. And I didn't know. And I said this to him. I said, you know, it doesn't really matter if I know or not. All that matters is that Jesus loves you and he died for you. He, you're forgiven. And he said to me, no, 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 but you don't know what I've done. And I said to him again, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't need to know what you've done. All I know is that Jesus loves you and he's died for you. And he looked at me again. He says, you don't know what I've done. Now he had me curious. And I said to him, tell me, tell me what you've done. And he told me what he'd done about 14 or 15 years ago. And for about 14 or 15 years, he's been holding on to this guilt and holding on to this event, this situation that happened. And because of that, he's worthless and he, he feels guilty and he's upset and he feels like his, uh, he has no value. And he even came to the place where he thought that that sin couldn't be forgiven. 
And I listened to him as he told me this event unfolded. And I, as he began to tell me what he did, I thought to myself, why did I ask? You're right, I don't want to know. But it didn't change the fact that Jesus still loved him and Jesus still died for him. And I told him, I told him about the, the death, the Calvary of Jesus when he went to the cross. I said this, even though, even though 14 or 15 years ago, this, 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 this tragic thing, this unfortunate event, this sinful act took place in your life, Jesus still loves you and he still died for you. And I went through scripture and I showed him everything that God did for him, that that sin has been forgiven, that that sin can be owned to the blood, all he has to do is confess with his mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in his heart that God hath raised him from the dead and, and he too could be saved. And when I showed him all these scriptures, when I showed him what the Bible had to say about his sin, what the Bible had to say about his savior, what the Bible had to say about God's grace, he began to cry. His, his eyes just welled up with tears. He began to cry. And he said, you mean to tell me that what I've been holding on to for all these years, that God has already forgiven me? I said, Jesus went to the cross. And in tears, he bowed his head and he trusted Christ as his savior. He put away all that guilt. He got rid of all that shame. He realized for the first time that it doesn't matter that God has a plan and God wanted to save him. Listen, don't allow one part of your story to stop you from seeing the whole story. It wasn't just about the birth. It wasn't just about the death. Also, you know what we find? It's all leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's coming again. He's coming again. Listen, as we celebrate the, the first advent or the first coming of Jesus, it's not like that's all we have to celebrate. It's not like, well, at least a baby was born. That's all we have to celebrate. No, a baby was born. And that baby, we can also celebrate Calvary and we can celebrate the, the empty tomb. And we also, though it's not, it doesn't end there, we can also celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. And we're gonna be in heaven with him for all of eternity. I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation, if we would please, the last book of the Bible. In chapter number 21. Is everybody awake this morning? I want you to see something. Probably one of the, my favorite verses in all the Bible. The Bible talks of John. Now John is one singular event. John is on the Isle of Patmos. Now John is not spending his retirement days in a beautiful well-furnished, plush apartment overseeing the sea. He's not ordering room service and he's not enjoying life here. The Isle of Patmos is a place that you get sent to as a prisoner. It's hard labor. It's a place that they send you to to, to work. John is elderly. John is here on this Isle of Patmos if you just took this singular event, John might say to himself, I've served the Lord, I've done right, I was one of his disciples, I've lived right, and where does it get me? It gets me to the Isle of Patmos. If you just look at one singular event in John's life, if that's all John looked for, John could say, this has been a wasted life. It's all ended like this. I followed the Lord and this is the way it ended. I serve the Lord and this is the best I get. I've tried to do right, and, and this is the end of my story. 
What I'm, what I'm trying to say to you is this. When we see these things in the Bible, it's no different for us. There's been times in my life where I've said, why, Lord, this singular event, it doesn't make sense. I could do without it. Only to find, no, I can't. That this singular event God is using to form a bigger picture, a bigger purpose for my life to bring him glory. The same thing is true with you. The same thing is true with John. The same thing is true with Mary. The same thing is true with Joseph. If we get consumed with one thing, we can get bitter. If we get consumed with one event, we can get angry. If we get consumed with one event, we can get, go off the rails and, and walk away from God and lose our faith and, 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 and question God's, God's sovereignty and question God's grace. If it's just one event, if we're not careful, it can wreck our entire life. One event 14 or 15 years ago kept this man in bondage and shame. It's defined his life for all these years until he realized that Jesus Christ can set him free. One event, one event, if you're not careful, can ruin the Christmas season because you're upset about something or someone. One event, if you see it in a singular way, you take it out of context of what God's doing. I... The other day, I was telling one of my girls, we were trying to bring in some gifts and uh, uh, didn't want them to see. So I, I sent one up to their room, but I didn't say to them, hey, mom and dad are gonna bring in some gifts. And so I don't want you to see them. So I want you to go to the room. I just said, hey, I want you to go upstairs. And, 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 and the, the one girl got a little upset because she had to go upstairs because it's not fair because so-and-so didn't have to go upstairs either. And here in her mind, one event, she has to go to her room. This isn't fair. This is not right. I'm, I'm the only one that has to go to my room. I didn't even do anything. And what she didn't understand, there was a reason behind it. I had something for her I didn't want her to see. I really didn't care if her older sister saw it because she wouldn't have told I, I didn't care if the older one saw it because the older one knows mom and dad are going to buy you whatever you put on your list anyways, you know? But that young one, that young one thought it's not fair. I have to go to my room. It's not fair what you're doing to me when dad had a reason for it. She wasn't going to room. She was punished. She was going to room because I had something special for her. She wasn't going to your room because she did something wrong. She was going to your room so she didn't see what I had for her. You see, if we take one singular event in our life, if we're not careful, church, we can come to a conclusion. It's not the conclusion God wants us to come to. This happened, God, you don't care. Well, this happened because he does care. This happened, God, you don't understand. It happens because he does understand. John is on the island, island, uh, Isle of Patmos. It's not because God uh, uh, doesn't like John. It's not because God was punishing John. The reason why God had John there is because there was a book of Revelation that God wanted written and he needed John at a place to write this book. And while sitting at this place, the 
Holy Spirit of God comes and begins to reveal to John some things. And I love what the Holy Spirit of God reveals to John. He says this, John, it's more than just the birth. John, it's more than just Calvary. John, I've got more in place. And I love this verse. He says in verse number four, and God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. This is not the birth of Jesus. This is not Calvary. This is eternity. And there should be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. If you want to know the conclusion of your life, it's right there. If you want to know the conclusion of your story, it's right here. You say, what does God have planned? God has a plan for you where there's no more death, there's no more sorrow, there's no more crying, neither shall there be any more pain. All the former things are passed away. But God is doing singular events in our life to get us to this place. We have to trust him. Just like Abraham had to trust him, just like David had to trust him, just like Mary had to trust him, just like Joseph had to trust him, just like John had to trust him, you and I have to trust him as well. God knows what he's doing. God has a plan for our life. We have to learn to trust him, not take one singular event in our life and come up with a totally different conclusion than what God is doing. You know what God has for you? No more pain, no more tears no more crying in eternity with him. I love this in verse number one, he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw a new city, new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and, there shall, and, he, and, and be their God. I'm telling you this morning that sometimes if we're not careful, we look at singular events and we get sidetracked on what God's doing. Sometimes we get discouraged because of what God's doing. Sometimes we get a little bit emotional. We kind of get a little selfish. We kind of get a little pity party for ourselves. I can't believe this is happening. What what we must do is trust God. God has a bigger picture. Would you please allow, write this down in your heart somewhere, allow God to work his plan in your life. Just allow God to work his plan. You know what that plan is? A whole bunch of singular events, some that you might not like, some that you might not want, some that you might not understand, but add it all together it's his plan for your life. Don't allow singular events to define your life, but rather allow God to work to its end. Don't allow singular events to define your life. Don't allow one obstacle to define you. Joseph, don't allow one defeat to define you. Mary, don't allow one, one, one hurdle to define you. No, what are people gonna say? Don't allow one event to define your life. Let God use all of these events to work it to his end, to his purpose, to his plan. I bring all this to a close. If you're here today and you have never trusted Christ as your savior, God has you here for a purpose. It's not a mistake. He's brought you here to this place today, this event to bring you to a place where you know and you hear that Jesus Christ loves you, that he died for you, that every sin that you've ever committed, 
He took it to the cross. He paid your sin debt. Religion won't save you. Baptism won't save you. Good works won't save you. A church can't save you. Only Jesus can. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Everything you've done in your life brings you to this place where you realize you need a savior. And Jesus Christ with open arms is willing for you to trust him and asking for you to trust him as your savior today. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. My question to you today would be this, what is stopping you from trusting Christ as your savior? Will you trust him today? Or will you reject him? Christian, maybe you say this, I am saved. Then stop letting singular events in your life frustrate you. Stop letting singular events in your life cause you bitterness, cause you anger. Anger. There's events just like you. There's events that just upset me, causes me to lose sleep. I'll, I'll stand in the shower and I don't even have to have it hot because I'm steaming. I'm so mad. And I can't let those events define me. I've got to understand that God has a bigger purpose. You get a letter in the mail that something's going to happen. Listen, that letter doesn't control you. God's in control. You, you, you get conflict with someone. Don't let that conflict frustrate you. God's in control. There's a burden that you have to carry. Don't let that burden control you. Give that burden to God, casting all my care upon him for he careth for me. Give it to the Lord and let the Lord carry it. Don't live your life frustrated, angry, bitter, confused, discouraged because of a singular event. Understand that God has a bigger plan. Let him create multiple singular events to fulfill his plan for your life.